Welcome to Sam Talks Telehealth. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to interview co-founder of Resilient Health, Jeff Gamble. He is a PhD, a super smart fellow. I'm excited to bring this podcast to you today. As of course, full disclosure, I do serve as an advisor for Resilient and have had the opportunity to know Jeff um, outside of the podcast. So I'm really excited to have him on the show and talk about Founder's Journey. With that, let's get straight to the show. Hey, Jeff, super excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So obviously I told everyone beforehand, we know each other uh, through my advising work and uh, you at Resilient. So I'm excited. Give me first, just give me a little brief so that people know a little bit who you are, some of your background. Give me your your intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to do so. Um, So I'm Jeff Gamble. I'm co-founder and chief technology officer here at Resilient Health. Um, We are a St. Louis-based startup. Uh, We have a virtual concierge primary care practice where patients can access their doctor through messaging, video, and our key innovation, uh, cloud clinics, where patients can come to a conveniently located site, um, get vitals and physical exams uh, from a telepresenter while talking to the physician in real time on the screen. Um, so our whole goal is how do you take a primary care relationship and convert it to one that is fully virtual so that you can get essentially the best of both worlds. You get the convenience of telehealth, but then you also get the broad scope of care that can be delivered in person. Uh, my background, originally engineering, uh, so did my undergrad in biomedical engineering at Duke University. Um, originally got into that because I was really interested in developing novel prosthetics um, I'm kind of the, the generation where my, my high school years were during the Iraq-Afghanistan wars. Uh, my dad was in the military. And so the big topic at the time with him as a healthcare provider was, you know, we have a lot of amputees coming back from the Middle East. You know, what do we do to help them regain function? Um, so that really sent me down this path of trying to combine engineering and, and healthcare. Pretty quickly realized I was really interested in the brain science side of things. And so, you know, picked up a minor in that, started to do research in uh, deep brain stimulation and vagus nerve stimulation. That research brought me back home to St. Louis, um, where I I did my PhD in neural engineering uh, here at WashU, was really interested in neuroplasticity, um, brain machine interfaces, kind of the full gambit. Um, So I got like a really broad engineering education where I had to do a ton of signal processing, some electrical engineering, uh, data science, machine learning, um, even some wet labs. So I'm actually very familiar with stem cells. And so uh, my my engineering kind of biology background is all over the place, Um, but it really positioned me well uh, for when it came time to start a company in this space, you know, because I was just comfortable with a lot of different types of technologies um, paradigms. And yeah, probably about halfway through my PhD, I uh, got an opportunity to work in product at a, a local startup here, Neurolutions, um, where they were doing stroke rehab. Um, so, you know, taking EEG data from patients and using that to control robotic gloves in real time so that they could regain hand function. Um, got to work really closely with the VC that was, that was their main backer, the CEO, their head of engineering, Um, And so that was kind of my first foray into startups where I said, man, this is something that I really could do. I feel like, you know, being in a lab all the time just wasn't really my jam. And I really loved 
one interacting from like the business perspective. Um, but that experience was the first time I got to interact directly with patients. Um, and it was that, that interaction with patients where I, I just couldn't replace that in kind of the academic setting. Um, so yeah, set me down the path of what we're doing. And then my, my co-founder Donish, um, he's an ear, nose, throat physician by training. And, and he and I met while we were both at WashU at the same time and kind of hit it off, you know, saw the same problem and decided to kind of dedicate, dedicate our time and energy to solving that. I love it. That, that's cool. Cause now I'm even learning new things about you. I didn't already know in terms of, you know, this different brain science and that's a whole nother rabbit hole. We yep. go down, um, not only stroke, but mental health. And even we look at neuroplasticity in terms of trauma, trauma mm -hmm. that people have experienced. How do you, how do you even use non-machines to then reprogram some of your own experiences? So that'll be for another topic. Um, okay. So first question for you, what do you see? You've got a really broad, um, from you know, interest in prosthetics to brains to obviously what what you're doing at Resilient. What I'm blessed enough to have a chance to be a part of with you. So, what do you really see as the future of healthcare innovation? Yeah, from from my perspective, and I, and I think it's because I, I did get I've had exposure to to a lot of different technologies um, over the years. Um, when I look at healthcare, I see a lot of innovation happening um, where there's, there's a ton of technologies that are becoming available, um, but how they get utilized and incorporated into kind of the, the clinical workflows that exist today, it, it's really difficult. Um, those workflows were built around kind of archaic infrastructure. Um, so when I look at, you know, where, one, where do I want to live and where do I want my company to live? kind of in the, the broad spectrum of innovation in healthcare, it's around really innovating the infrastructure that is used to deliver care. Um, right now it is hyper fragmented, which makes it really difficult to incorporate new technologies as they come out. Um, I believe that what we're building is kind of one of the first examples of kind of a unified technological infrastructure where no matter what modality you use, it's all tied together in the same ecosystem. Um, and so I think once you, whoever it is, whether it's us or, or if we're not successful doing it, someone else will be, but whoever is able to truly build the, the pipes for healthcare of the future is gonna be the big winner um, because eventually that's going to be the infrastructure and platform for others to develop on for others to incorporate the various tools. You know, there's like a million RPM companies. There's a million connected device companies. You know, there's a million virtual care companies. At some point, we all have to be doing work on the same infrastructure or we're all just wasting a ton of money and time. Um, so I, I, I see that as being the really exciting area for, for healthcare in the future. Yeah, I love that. And obviously, you know, I talk a lot about workflows, not only in the show, but work I do with my clients, because I do think it's really important. And we have, we're still in that phase in healthcare where we have things we have to work with how they already are, but how do we bridge to the future? And then how do we also make sure what we're building for clinicians is actually something that's going to work for them versus yep. sort of tinkering in our labs and then coming out and being like, ta-da, we, we hope you think this is amazing. Um, yep. Okay. So my next question, you and I actually, I talk about this a lot also, but I want to yep. know for you. So obviously 
you're a black person, you're a founder, you're a PhD. Tell me some of the unique challenges, some of the things that come with being that in this very specific digital health VC kind of space. Yeah, I mean, so I think there's there's kind of two ways of, of looking at the difficulties there. Uh, I, I think from one side of things, there's Black people have not necessarily had the best experience with the healthcare system in the US, you know, over the last few hundred years. Um, and so there are a ton of disparities that are kind of intrinsically built into the way that we deliver health care, the way that we diagnose, the way that we treat populations. You know, we've been seeing it for the last year and a half, you know, kind of a, a lens has been, a light has been shown on that, right? Um, so I think one of the difficulties I have is that, you know, I, I am bringing in kind of that, that lens when I work in healthcare. And so there are problems that I see or others like me may see that kind of the general population that actually has kind of the, the power uh, over how things are done in healthcare, they don't necessarily see it. Um, and if it's not glaring to them, nothing really is going to happen about it. Um, so I think for me personally, I've had to kind of learn how to, you know, you have to learn when, when to fight those battles and, and when not to, um, because sometimes you are just kind of barking up the wrong tree and, and, you know, you're spending energy on things that probably aren't necessarily going to move the needle. Um, from the other side of things, I think just in general, as, as a black founder trying to build a company, and I think this one, this is black people, but I think it goes broader than that to just kind of underrepresented groups in the technological ecosystem. I think women deal with this. Um, I think brown people, uh, where, wherever you're from, um, I, I think there are difficulties when it comes to being taken seriously. You know, one of the, one of the reasons that I really push forward with a PhD um, and even with advice from my parents is that look, even if you're not going to do anything with this degree, people will take you seriously. You know, and I remember having that conversation with my mom a lot during grad school, because early in grad school, I was having a hard time. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to continue with it. I thought about leaving with a master's on multiple occasions. And every time I went back to my parents to talk about it, it was kind of like, hey, we get it. However, there's kind of no replacement for people having to address you as Dr. Gamble. Um, and it is you are going to get a, a foot, a seat at tables that normally you're, you wouldn't if you did not have that title. Um, and I've definitely seen that play out, you know, in, in, in my early career. Um, I think some of the other sides of that being taken seriously, you know, we're, we're building some, some really cool far out there technology um, and we've definitely come across, you know, sometimes it's VCs, sometimes it's healthcare systems, whatever it may be, where stakeholders don't believe that the technology is real. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that the face of that technology is me, a black man. Um, whereas if, if, if I look different, I think a lot of the things that we're doing would be taken more seriously. Um, and so, you know, for me, I, I think it, it definitely, you know, it really ate at me for a while. And then eventually I got to a point where it was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just, I'll have to prove people wrong, you know? And, and so for me, like if, if our company is doing well, 
Um, you know, if our technology is changing people's lives, you know, I dare you to tell me that we didn't build this. I, I, I dare you to tell me that this isn't real because in the end, the patient experience speaks for itself. Um, the, the joy that I've seen on people's faces when they come here to our office and, and demo the cloud clinic. I mean, I've, I've seen seasoned investors who've been in healthcare for decades, jaw drop, you know, let out a few curse words as like, oh my God, like what, what did I just experience? And like, that's when you know, like, oh crap, okay, we, we're onto something. Like we've built something really amazing that's gonna really change how people experience healthcare. Um, so yeah, I mean, bringing that all back, when you're, when you're, whether you're a founder or whether you're just in the, in the professional space in general, um, being in a marginalized group, you're always going to face pushback. I imagine that you in your career, you know, as, as a woman working in health systems, um, those have not always been the, the safest and most fulfilling environments for women. Um, and I think we're starting to see the evolution on some of these things, but, uh, you know, like you and I have discussed before, it's got a long way to go too. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, all you can do on a day-to-day -day basis is, is be the best version of yourself that you can be, um, and not give people a reason, uh, you know, to have anything to lean on, you know, when they do critique you on these things. And so, I think our, our company speaks for itself. Uh, you know, for me, you know, I, I think my credentials speak for themselves. Um, so I try not to, you know, spend too much mind space on that. But there are times where it, it definitely can be difficult. Yeah, and I think I think part of the reason I asked that of you, and, and we talk about them, of course, yeah, in healthcare, I've been, you know, outside of a chief medical officer meeting with 14, you know, white women, white men, one token white woman, and someone comes out, oh, young lady, are you oh. the one who's coming in to present? I'm thinking, well, I'm at the time 42, so I'm not that young. <laughs> you know, all I thought was there was a man out here my same age. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have been called young man, but that's okay. Um, yep. and I mean, that's part of talking about it, right? Is to understand what do, what do marginalized communities have to look at? What do we have to, you know, go through? And like you said, the credentials are super important. And so you've put in that work to get that. And so I want to, of course, give a shout out for Resilient has gone into the top 10 finale for XPRIZE in the robotic space, which again, that's, you know, that's credibility. And, mm -hmm. and what's different there is they're not, they don't care what you look like or who you are. It is literally based on what you designed and what you have. So congrats, um, congrats on that because I, I love that too. So yeah, but I think also, I always like to still bring it up whether it's women or people of color or even when I'm talking with patients on the show is that we have to see how people who have gone before us so that other people can be like, all right, I can do it, you know, I'm in. So thank you. Because again, you will be an inspiration to many other, you know, young men and women coming up and saying like, Hey man, you know, there's people who look like me. There's people who are like me and I can do the same thing. Okay. So my final question is, uh, 
as you know, in healthcare and certainly in the digital health space, we always think of the patients as our customers. And I have a very different view of who our customers are because we can't have patients without the clinicians who serve those patients. So for you, what are some of the most important things when you're making decisions about solutions that you're designing for clinicians? Yeah, I mean, so there, there are definitely two sides to that problem, right? Because and this is the hard part in healthcare is that there are many stakeholders. And so whatever you design, it has to meet the needs of all of those stakeholders. For us, I think when we originally started, started this company and started designing, it was very much from the perspective of the physician. Um, and I still to this day, and I think in recent years, so we definitely kind of re recentered the patient, especially as you think about convenience, um, and moments of joy. However, behind those moments of joy, you always have to make sure that the physician has everything they need to do their job at a high level of quality um, and in, in a compliant manner. Um, and if you don't have a happy doctor, you're likely to not have a happy patient. Um, so, so you're always juggling those things and, and you find yourself, especially building technology where it's hard to, it's hard to center both at the same time. And you end up making trade-offs at different points in time in the experience for one or the other. Um, but in the end, for me, like my big philosophy, even when we were designing was let me go shadow doctors, right? So I spent hundreds of hours um, shadowing private practice physicians um, and seeing what, what does their workflow look like throughout the day. Um, so as we are trying to build what is a fully virtual outpatient experience, I always have that in the back of my mind. Um, so it's a little bit easier to make decisions about, okay, if we design it this way, am I actually getting in the way of that doctor um, doing what they need to do to make a diagnosis? You know, am I, am I creating extra work for the doctor? Um, because if I'm creating extra work for them, they're going to tend to say, I'm not doing it. Um, you know, burnout is a huge issue for physicians right now. So whatever you can do to make their jobs a bit easier, I think in the end, that ends up trickling down to a better experience for the patient. Um, and then on the other side of that, then yeah, like if you, you know, if we believe that convenience is, is kind of the, the core thing that we're, we're trying to do for patients, convenience and making sure a doctor can do their job appropriate are not always, uh, they, they, can, they can be at odds with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the core premise of our company um, is that virtual care by itself is fantastic for the patient. However, the doctor can't do their job. And so if you want the doctor to do their job fully, you have to have some, port, some, some type of in-person physical component. Um, and our cloud clinics are the way where we've kind of married those two things together. And so I want to give the patient as much convenience as I can give them in the most clinically relevant manner is, is how we, that's always how we talk here. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think you, I think you can deliver for both, but it definitely, definitely is a juggling act. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think what is important is that idea of as startups, as designers, as innovators, you said, I've spent hours. Um, you know, looking at the workflows, being in clinics. 
designers have to know what actually happens in healthcare. So then they can design to have an experience that's going to enhance it. So Jeff, oh my gosh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, Always, always a pleasure to have you. Excited for the work that Resilient is doing. And we'll certainly have you back on the show as Resilient continues to grow and make moves in the healthcare space. So thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sam. It's always a pleasure. um, And it's been an absolute blast working with you. And um, yeah, looking forward to being back on the show to talk about our progress in the future. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was an awesome podcast. So excited I get a chance to interview people, not only with great companies, but also that I know personally and how they work and just really exciting to see the journey of founders. So with that, make sure you subscribe to the episode of Sam Talks Telehealth so you always know when we've got the latest things coming out and we'll see you back here in the next episode.